This is the Saxo Market Call. Daily insights on what is moving the financial markets. Hello and welcome to the Saxo Market Call. It is Friday, 2nd of December, 2022, Non-Farm Payrolls Day, U.S. Employment Report Day. Uh, and yesterday, seeing some softer data on the PCE core inflation front, a uh, plus 0.2% print there versus the plus 0.3% expected, suggesting a slowdown in core inflation, leading to lower U.S. Treasury yields. Uh, this time, though, the uh, U.S. equity market not getting so much out of this softer data, which also included a, a slightly weaker ISM manufacturing at 49. That is the um, first sub-50 reading since the uh, pandemic outbreak months in early 2020. So we did see Treasury yields uh, considerably lower uh, and all across the curve. Peak Fed rates uh, priced a bit lower. The U.S. 10-year actually hitting that really key 3.5% level. But uh, while Treasury yields reacted and the dollar took uh, was taken down as well with that, the equity market not ringing so much out of this. And I think that's an interesting uh, you know, mini signal possibly within the whole uh, maelstrom of uh, market reactions to this, because you have to imagine at some point that, uh, of course, if we are headed towards a recession, yes, it could mean lower rates, but the, the market is going to start fretting. Uh, profit margins and recessionary uh, dynamics within the equity market. So uh, with sideways session, though, we are still above that key uh, resistance level that was uh, broken on the way up the 200-day moving average in the fi- S&P 500. You can see that on slide two uh, and uh, the local price action as well. Needing to hold that sort of 4,000 plus area to, uh, to to call this an upside breakout. And if you look down at the weekly um, chart on the appendix, you can see that we're touching a key uh, descending trend line there. And interestingly, our theme baskets, so the chart there on the right showing that uh, the performance in most of these baskets was a bit more positive than the broader market ac- action. Uh, the mega caps, although dragging a bit on relative to the baskets with only a plus 0.3% uh, performance. Uh, and so as indicated, lower U.S. yields, you can see on the next slide, the impact into FX, the dollar continuing lower, and especially versus the very yield sensitive Japanese yen. And you see dollar yen there posting quite a remarkable descent yesterday. Uh, following through a little bit overnight and essentially touching that 200-day moving average. And I would say that that 200-day moving average there and the 3.5% level in U.S. 10-year are sort of pivotal for whether this chart is going to continue to uh, just run lower here on on this uh, yield outlook also falling or whether some sort of support comes in. And that that key test, next key test will already be today on the U.S. Uh, jobs data. In terms of relative strength, look at that uh, FX board. The, the Canadian dollar, I think, mostly impacted by, uh, well, it's always some degree of association uh, with the U.S. dollar. Not always, but often the regime is that the, the Canadian dollar tends to follow the U.S. dollar sort of directionally uh, in the crosses. Uh, but the specific weakness around that HSBC divesting of its uh, operations in Canada and then the opposite of that is the Kiwi, which is really enjoying, I think, a, a run significantly boosted by the very dovish RBA. So a lot of Aussie Kiwi flows, I think, in there, as well as maybe Kiwi dollar with the uh, with the anticipation of a softening and turnaround in the Fed. Uh, but just have a look at the Kiwi CAD cross. You can see those relative readings there are just getting to absurd uh, levels of strength in a, in a local term and local terms. And historically, you would expect some mean reversion to come in. All right, in your space, uh, obviously with a weaker dollar, uh, lower U.S. yields, I imagine we have to have uh, gold prices somewhat higher. What's going on in precious metals here? And I'll I'll just uh, skip listeners ahead to slide seven for your silver chart. 
Exactly, John. Well, it's been a it's been a good week for for the metal sector, both uh, precious and industrial metals. Industrial metals really liking the the change tone from the Chinese government regarding how they handle uh, COVID outbreaks. So that's leading to renewed optimism about the uh, economic growth and also the demand for industrial metals. So they had a good week, and that has uh, translated into a particularly strong week for silver. That's why I'll put that up on the chart here on slide seven. We closed above that twenty two. 25 level yesterday and even the 2250 level the recent high back in june and uh, that basically means for right now the it's uh, setting its uh, its targets in 2335 so uh, at least uh, the silver market is, is showing showing signs that it has bottomed out at, the, at this stage that's also translating and uh, into support for gold it's working it's gold is working its way through this band of resistance uh, as we've been highlighting in recent weeks between 1788 and 1808 uh, we took out the 18 1788 yesterday and hovering around the 1800 level today so uh, i would say a weekly close above 1808 that could set further improve the sentiment but we also have to be realistic saying that this move has been has been driven by the uh, the slump in yields and the, the dollar this past month we're still not seeing any pickup in demand from investors through ETFs. And as long as that part is missing, the, these metals are still very exposed to uh, to the uh, ins and outs of uh, what's happened on the on the on the financial uh, on the yields and dollar front. So, with that in mind, uh, the today's job report obviously holds a, a, quite a big uh, importance for the market, especially given the critical levels we are at, at right now in gold. Yeah. And then uh, crude oil, we've, we've talked back and forth about it. The uh, the bump and the avoiding of the new sort of cycle lows is clearly on the, the Chinese uh, narrative changing. And there's there's also been this interesting interesting comments and, and signs that China's turning a bit more diplomatic towards uh, certainly the EU, a bit more interested in sending a different message on the situation in Ukraine, for example, the overtures to the EU, including uh, hopes for uh, some kind of uh, situation for the situation there to improve. Uh, Etc. So that there's that on the upside, and the downside has to be, I guess, uh, concerns of an incoming recession here. So where are you looking for what? Where the balance is going to to shift in coming days? Well, I think the uh, the the next week uh, could send quite a clear signal uh, as we head towards year end. Uh, the market has gone through a period of softness. So uh, with that in mind, let's just uh, start off by looking at the slide five before we go back to slide four. Slide five just just uh, gives us the uh, the the WHI uh, futures curve. Um, the blue line is uh, the latest uh, observations, and the pink line is uh, where it was a month ago. And you can see the front end has really seen quite a bit of a downshift, uh, driven by the by the the, the ample uh, ample supply at this moment in time, but also uh, driven lower by by the uh, by worries related to to China. We're seeing some of those worries now starting to ease. And at the same time, you can also see the curve further out has not really shifted lower. So this is really more a, a short-term issue, short to short to medium medium-term issue where the market is is, is worried about the uh, the uh, potential incoming uh, recession. But on the other hand, we mentioned yesterday in the weekly uh, data from the USDA, uh, no, sorry, from the EIA, we did see uh, exports of U.S. oil and fuel hit a record high, uh, close to 12 million barrels a day. It's uh, they basically been shipping, uh, exporting the uh, some of the oil that's uh, come out of uh, strategic reserves, and now the White House is basically talking about uh, st- stopping that uh, process. Um, so uh, we we're gonna see less oil coming into the market from strategic reserves and probably dry out completely before. Uh, Maybe even starting to pull oil out of the market uh, sometime next year. So, uh, so that is is starting to add some support to, to the market. And then going back to slide uh, four, just uh, highlighting this uh, 
this week where we uh, we saw to $80 being rejected early on. Uh, that was after the uh, protest last weekend. And now uh, as, as the uh, outlook for China improved uh, somewhat, we we moved higher and uh, we found resistance ahead of $90 yesterday in Brent. So uh, we're stuck now in this uh, $80, $90 range. Focus clearly the OPEC Plus meeting on Sunday. I don't expect anything to come out of it. We did see uh, the first uh, survey for production in November point to a 1 million barrel drop from uh, OPEC uh, OPEC producers, that's the small insert uh, on, on slide four. And you can see it's mostly the four major golf uh, producers uh, who are all the, uh, who are all basically around their baselines that has uh, been forced to, to cut production. Countries like Nigeria and Angola, they're well below where they where they should be. So they have not been, uh, they're not impacted by this, uh, this deal to cut production. So, um, so overall, the EU embargo next week, I really think that is a key. The market simply does, don't have a clear enough view about the uh, the impact on on supplies from Russia. Um, I think from the, I think we may see a bigger bigger supply drop than what the market is currently expecting. All right, now let's go to something that's uh, affecting my personal pocketbook, and and that is the weather here in Europe. It's just staggering to, um, and and I think Denmark is a, a microcosm and, and a poster child for this phenomenon. Uh, as we have this cold winter uh, or cold weather here uh, here and now, we get the wind dying down and we get the weather a bit colder. So electricity demand goes up on the order of 25% because a lot of people have these uh, heat pumps that are electricity-based and not even uh, natural gas-based. But the whole energy complex is interlinked. And when you don't have that base load and the wind is dying down, suddenly uh, I'm paying 300% more for uh, for turning on my dishwasher. Uh, and maybe 100% more uh, in the middle of the night because, of course, off-peak is slightly different from peak usage so it really is critical for europe to get this energy situation right and this baseload problem is just it's just tremendous I don't, i'm not thinking that you're going to have any answer on baseload because the baseload is just not there uh in europe but uh, uh so I, you know i guess what is the, what is the outlook here for uh, uh you know as we're transitioning into colder weather here on the uh, on the natural gas and, and power front well, it most certainly uh, highlights the uh, the challenge that we are facing, and uh, we we've been bl- we've been pretty lucky with a mild start to the uh, to the winter uh, that is now reversing, uh, and and we we're seeing the impact of that with the uh, with uh, gas prices immediately jumping almost fifty percent, and we're seeing this more than doubling of of the uh, the the power prices uh, for the months ahead. Obviously, a, a lot more if you look at it on a very much on a shorter scale, as you mentioned, John. Um, and it's this starting. They will this will drain uh, inventories, as you can see that already now that uh, we we that there's been quite a bit of a, a drain already this week. So um, so if we do run into a prolonged winter, uh, which unfortunately some of the weather forecasts are pointing to, then uh, then we are we we are going to be facing uh, higher prices uh, this winter, which is uh, clearly not what uh, what uh, Europe needs at, at at this date. So the longer term. Focus on on base loads is 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 not going to go away, and uh, and I think that what it, this just highlights is that uh, yes, we 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 need to, we need a, a solid mix between renewables and uh, and other sources, and uh, and uh, the, the the dreaded N word comes in once again. Uh, nuclear power uh, is is if if really if we do need to move away from uh, from coal, then uh, then the nuclear is the is is the only variable option right now that can provide the the underlying base load. Until we, uh, so we avoid these big spikes that happens in the market when the wind dries down. Yeah, and uh, nuclear is years off uh, as a viable exactly. uh, backup. But, all right, I know you're a busy man. I'll let you run off. Uh, you have a, a TV interview, as far as I understand. So I'll uh, round out 
the uh, podcast with a couple of comments on earnings, uh, some of the ones that reported yesterday, as well as just a, a little brief preview of what's coming ahead. I put that up on slide eight, by the way, the earnings to watch next week. A few interesting names up there. The uh, uh, Toll Brothers, it's a higher end new home builder. And uh, I've been, I looked at their stock. I was a bit surprised how how sort of reasonably well the stock was performing flattish uh, in recent uh, weeks and months uh, versus uh, what you would have <laughs> expected given the cratering in the U.S. housing market on the mortgage uh, yield spike. Campbell Soup also up next week. And that's one I highlight here. It's one of these stocks, one of these very few stocks that's up towards its 52-week and, and multi-year highs as, uh, of course, a, a stock like this is more on the value angle and would uh, likely not, uh, people would think, do that poorly in a recession scenario. People might even downgrade some of their going out to, uh, I don't know, a can of uh, very salty soup. Uh, that's a salty comment is my view of things. Uh, and then Thursday, the biggest market cap company to report is Broadcom, which has said uh, after that uh, announcement of the U.S. Chips Act that they are not really exposed to the restrictions. I guess they're the chips they support and, and produce are not involved in, in the purview of that particular legislation. But uh, let's uh, look at what is the high. Oh, and actually, before I go to the macro calendar, just a couple of comments on some of the equities yesterday, some pretty big reactions that Marvel uh, semiconductor maker, a weak revenue forecast, really just just cratering that uh, stock after hours down over 7% after hours. Viva, a similar uh, situation. And then, by the way, Marvel, the the, the miss on the revenue forecast, they, they forecast at 1.33 to 1.43 billion for the coming quarter. And that's versus estimates of 1.62. I mean, that's a very chunky uh, miss relative to expectations. So some justification for that scale of reaction there, uh, especially as it was sort of bid up going into that earnings report. Aviva, a similar reaction, but only down 4% after hours, a little over 4% with a similar revenue estimate miss. This one a bit less uh, on a bit smaller scale, only a bit over 1% relative to estimates. And then Dollar General, the one I mentioned, you know, this is supposedly a, a company that should do well. If uh, you're seeing substitution and people dropping down into the Dollar General class of stores, if they feel their, their cost of living is going up too much, uh, they were down 7.8%, uh, really disappointing on their profit forecast and uh, noting some supply chain difficulties, which is apparently unusual for this company. And then I just noticed as well. So if you think that people are, are going to intensify their usage of discount or low cost stores, uh, you might be mistaken because I, that I noticed that their nine month uh, in the last nine months, they've opened on the order of 688 stores and that there's no real, adjusted for inflation, no real rise at all in same store uh, sales on real basis. So they're up six to seven percent. But of course, with inflation uh, even exceeding that, that's not really very interesting. So uh, you're basically relying on the company to continue to open new stores for their expansion rather than and intensification of usage. I, I think that's a bit disappointing, but let's see how they uh, do from here. Kroger was uh, flat on the day. Uh, and then we have the, of course, the macro event traditionally of the month and an important one given where we've come to in terms of pivotal yield levels on the 10-year uh, yield at 3.5%, uh, given where we are in some FX pairs uh, teasing above the 105 level in euro dollar, that 200-day moving average, as mentioned in dollar yen. Uh, we have this uh, uh, jobs report here up today. Uh, with the weak ADP earlier this week, uh, despite the, the somewhat lack of a correlation with this and the, the, the non-farm payrolls release, there will be maybe a, a tendency for the, the market to be looking a little bit lower. So inline data might be considered uncomfortably strong for where the market is positioned ahead of this data point today. If it is near that 200K level, of course, if it's uh, significantly stronger than that, the unemployment rate expected unchanged at 3.7%. 
that's 0.2% off of the uh, the lows of the unemployment rate. A lot of that on the participation rate change and the divergence in this household survey, which is, has sort of trended somewhat weaker than the uh, BLS uh, uh, establishment survey used for the non-farm uh, payrolls calculations. Average hourly earnings are interestingly expected to drop down to a plus 0.3% month on month, which would take the year on year to 4.6%. That would be the lowest in quite some time. Both of those expected a tenth of a percent lower than the prior month. So I, I think the uh, sort of the biggest pushback here against uh, the where the market is leaning coming into this report would be in line to stronger non-farm payrolls change and stronger than expected average hourly earnings. Of course, if we get all of the above weaker than expected, it could be interesting once again to differentiate between how we behave in terms of yields, which might head lower still, versus risk sentiment, which may begin to fret that the economy is uh, slowing. And then next week, I've, I've put up the uh, various uh, points on the macro calendar. ISM services, the interesting one uh, at the top of the week uh, for November on, on Monday, and two central bank meetings next week, the Australian RBA and the Canadian Bank of Canada. We'll preview those uh, next week. For now, that's a wrap. And Have a great weekend. Be careful out there. And we'll be back next week with the Saxo Market Call. Thanks for listening. This has been the Saxo Market Call. For feedback and questions, reach out to us on Twitter at Saxo Market Call or by email, marketcall at saxobank.com.